an inside look at the restaurant industry and entrepreneurial insight to help you succeed. It's the Paper Trails Podcast with Albemarle Paper Supply. All right, what's going on, guys? How are you? We are back for the Paper Trails Podcast, episode 15. Super pumped that this is your first time uh, plugging in, listening to us via yes, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast, or if you're watching us on YouTube, welcome out. The Paper Trails Podcast is all about entrepreneurship. Um, we are based here in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and we talk to restaurateurs, business owners, entrepreneurs, the whole nine yards um, on success, on success, on you know specifically the food industry, uh, restaurants, um, and so uh, so anyway, glad to have you guys on. Glad for plugging in. And so for episode fifteen, I have my really really good friend and customer from Po Boys Seafood, John Demestehas. Um, we've known each other for how long? A year? Yeah. Couple years? Couple years now? Couple years it's been now? A couple years. Yep. Yeah. So um, we met actually, I think through your brother in law. I think he's the one who told me to stop on by over at uh, the George. George Dallas at, at Piccadilly. Yep, That's right. at, at Piccadilly. Forgot about that. I was actually. I was working I, I was working on getting him as a customer, and he's like, you know what, man, you know we just don't do. He's a tough uh, one. Yeah, we don't we don't do <laughs> we don't do you know that much paper. But he's like, you need to go talk to my brother in law. He does a ton of business. He's over right, here in yeah. Charlotte, and so we're all disposable. I yeah. think I think that's how we uh, right. that we, how we we eventually you know uh, chatted and and years back you had sent a sales rep here and there, but then. That's right. That's right. So what's going on? What's going Looking on, John? At it. Everything good? Everything's great. Awesome. Well, we're super pumped to have you on the podcast to learn more about uh, John, his, his background, his family, his business. Thank you um, for having me. And um, absolutely. And, and, and more about, you know, just businesses in Charlotte. You know, I mean, I know you have a, a, a history of that. You and your family, you guys have run businesses, you know, not originally. You're from up north. And so. But yeah, originally from the South Jersey area, outside Philadelphia. Nice. Uh, born and raised in Actually, born in Burlington and then raised in South Jersey, Washington Township, Cherry Hill area. All so. right. So you were you were up there for how long? I was sixteen. I moved down here when I was sixteen years. Okay, old. so you were there for a, a while. You were you know so you were you know born and raised up there. Born and raised up there. Moved down here in mid high school and then been here ever since. Now it's about uh, twenty four years now. Okay, and now you're. Um, now you moved down here, family, work, how, how did it pan out with, with you guys moving well, down here? Father moved down here first. He had started looking into, actually he came down here through a business dealing that he had with a, another business associate of his. They had bought a closeout deal, one of these wholesale companies okay. back then, had shut down operations and put everything on auction. Okay. And uh, they won the auction, but then they refused to release the product to him and his business partner. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. And my dad just kept traveling back and forth and then started looking at the differences between Charlotte and New Jersey. And eventually we ended up down here. And what, what, year, is it, what year is that? That's 1996. Okay, so middle, you know, mid-90s. Mid-90s. But my so, dad actually used to travel down here in the early 70s when he was a truck driver. No kidding. In New York, he'd had flatbed trucks, and he would actually travel to Charlotte Pipe, pick up uh, cast iron pipes, and deliver them back to New York. And that's Charlotte Pipe's a big company down here. Yeah, huge. Yeah, still huge, huge back then. And then he would go to Monroe for the PVC because they had the PVC plant in Monroe. And you're talking about early '70s. He would tell me the welcome to Charlotte sign was at the Merida Bread Factory on 85. Uh huh. And the leaving Charlotte was on Little. 
Rock Road. No kidding. That's how small Charlotte was back then. So you guys, I mean, you know, obviously not being from here, you saw the growth of Charlotte. I mean, since mid-'96 to now, I mean, it is, uh, it's is—it's a whole different. Completely different city. 24 years worth of, you know, growth. Gro- I mean, even even the last six, six, six eight years, years yeah. it's been it's been booming. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's been, uh, you know, even for us, I mean, I think maybe we got into the Charlotte market with uh, the paper company that we run maybe five, six, seven years ago. Sure. And it, it is, I mean. Big difference. Huge. I mean, there's just so many businesses. So many businesses and then just people that have moved here from. Up north, everywhere. Ohio, New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, PA, yep. New York. Texas. Texas. Taxes, taxes. Oh, taxes, taxes, taxes. a lot cheaper down here. So 100%. And, and tax, operational. And your dollar goes a lot further. It did. New York, New Jersey, you know. Yeah, Charlotte's going to catch up soon, don't worry. Yep, yeah. I don't know to those levels, but yeah. I just know what I pay property taxes on my house when I first bought it and 15 years later. Uh, we're not far away. I, you know what, <laughs> John, it's, fu- it's funny you say that because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're, we're close to the same age. I remember when I got my license – I had a little, uh, a little Acura Integra, a little four-cylinder. I remember filling up, and this is, I turned 16, maybe like 2001, something like that. And I remember filling up my gas tank for like $14. For sure. This when like, I first got my license, gas was 89 cents a gallon. <laughs> uh, that's how cheap it was. And I had a, uh, I bought a Mustang GT. I was all proud of it. <laughs> it was burning gas like crazy. <laughs> And you would fill up for like twelve dollars at the tank, and yeah, the next man. thing you know, out of nowhere, it's like thirty, forty. Whoa, wait, what's going yeah, on? Because it yeah. was soon after it started going up a little bit. Interesting. And Interesting. It, it hit different levels by that. Different times, though. Hundred percent. So, especially in the city. <clears throat> so, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, how how you got into restaurants. I, I know you worked in restaurants up north, right? I know we've had this conversation. Born and raised in the hospitality industry. To be honest with you. Uh, my mom's brothers were butchers originally. Okay. And then two of them became bakers. Okay. Uh, my mom's sister's husband was in the diner business in New Jersey. My dad was originally uh, started in the diners and then went to trucking. Okay. He moved to Greece for a couple of years. I didn't know that. After he got out of the trucking company, went to Greece from then. I was two to four years old, came back. My dad got back into the room. Restaurant business, wholesale business, actually. Okay. He had a. Uh, so he would sell. He would sell to to restaurants. Yeah, he started small. I remember he would do frozen vegetables, and then got into a full line eventually. Wow. For he did that for about eighteen years, uh, give or take. And then uh, just always around it. When I was younger, I would ride on the truck with him on the weekends. We'd probably no go through thirty different diners on a weekend between Delaware, New Jersey. Philadelphia, outskirts of Philadelphia, so you name it. I just grew up around diners my whole life. So, so you you remember, you know, vividly. I remember, I remember everybody. Tell me, tell me this. You know, seeing your dad have a distributorship, right? Um, like, what did you learn from that? Like, seeing your dad work, having you know twenty, thirty stops delivering on the week. I mean, what you know? Is there anything that you remember gaining from that work ethic, perseverance? Just, you know, um, what, what is there anything that kind of stands out to you, like looking back now? I mean, as a kid, I would cry on Saturday mornings because all I wanted to do was watch Saturday morning <laughs> cartoons. <laughs> and my dad would wake me up at 6 in the morning and say, you know, it's the, the only time he really got to spend with me. He was on the mm. road all the time and working all the time. So he would force me to go on the truck with him. 
I would cry about it all morning till I actually got on the truck, and then I enjoyed it. I just it was our quality time at that point. I like that getting on the truck and then riding on the truck with him, and then you know going stop to stop, and then hundred you know, percent all the diner owners would, you know, here's a buck to go play Pac Man and. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I knew which stops had the video game machines. So, nice. And then every time I was, my trick used to be, I used to sit next to my dad because most of his accounts were Greek. Yeah. So they'd catch, they'd start talking, they'd drag out, and I remember sitting at the counter and I just big sigh. <sighs> <laughs> and then I, that, you knew was, what to that do. was the trick to get a buck out of somebody to go to the machines, whether it was my dad or the diner owner. He said, oh, oh, give my. him a couple of dollars and quarters, let him go play some Pac-Man. That's hilarious. You yeah, you already good. had a figure-it-out mentality back uh, then, too. Yeah, I was about <laughs> probably six, seven years old at that time. So. Nice. And that was just, uh, I remember it. You know, at the time in the mornings, I would get upset over it. But then again, now you look back at it, and they were good times. So. That's awesome. That's a good quality time with your dad, huh? Sure. Every Saturday, and I couldn't lift anything. It was they were too heavy. It just he'd throw me on the back of the truck, and I would push him and off the stack, and then push him all the way down to yeah, the yeah, edge. Yeah. And then my dad would unload from there. And then you know, it was first time though, walking into the back of the kitchens, seeing what it actually was, what was going on, how they operated. And you got to understand, these diners were massive. My uncle's diner in New Jersey, at Five Points, had uh, six, seven hundred seats in it. Wow. Uh, they added on to Which, it multiple times. You're talking about the line cooks. There was probably 12 line cooks, you know, on the on the busy time. He had one guy that would just sit on the microphone calling out tickets because they had a microphone to call tickets up from one station to the other. Which, you know, if, if you know, to give people perspective, you know, because, they you know, if, if someone's listening to this or watching yeah. this and they have no idea, six, I mean, today, I oh, mean, yeah. you know, your restaurant today, how many seats does it have? It's got seven tables. Seven tables. So you're talking about what? Without the picnic tables, I see 35. 40. Okay, so 600 is astronomical. I mean, like, for, for anybody not knowing the industry listening to this, sure, it is unreal. I mean, those diners were factories, and they operated 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and had multiple partners, uh, in-house bakers. I mean, my mom's brothers, I remember we would go to meet them sometime at the diners that they worked at, the, the cheese rolls, those cream cheese rolls with the cheese in the inside. Uh-huh. Uh, those were my favorite. And then they would make the cinnamon rolls because they used to give this stuff out. Yeah. So, I mean, closest resemblance to anybody that's in the city would be Landmark. So, to what was up north. And so, so it was, I mean, these are hotels. I mean, this is massive. I mean, massive. Massive. Sure. I uh, mean, businesses. I mean, you know. The restaurant I grew up working in, which was Adelphia's in Deptford, New Jersey, was 15,000 square feet at that time. And then it's probably three times that now with the banquet rooms. Wow. And I still keep ties. Every time I go back to New Jersey, I visit my old boss, Bill. Uh-huh. Uh, Ballas. They were real good to me growing up. And that was my first real job working for somebody else in the industry. So kind of real real taste of what's that. What, what did you do? Bus tables or what did you do? You were in the back? I bus tables. I was 14 years old. Uh-huh. Got my first job at 14 with them. Uh-huh. I walked through the back door. And I know they knew me. I mean. Yeah. These were longtime friends of my father. They knew me since I was born. Yeah. And then I'd go in on deliveries and whatnot, and my dad had uh, put me to work at that point. We went over. I talked to the Bill's uncles at that time. It was Bill and his uncle John and Uncle Pete. And uh, he said, we heard you, you need a job. I said, yep. Yeah. Uh, they said two things, especially I remember having the meeting with Bill. 
Yeah. Said you're 14 years old. If it ever slips that you're 14 years old, you're fired. I don't care who your dad is. <laughs> Gangster move right there. You're, you're gonna get us in trouble. Well, you know, I had the peach fuzz stash, so I looked 17, 18. Yeah. <laughs> Whether even though it was 12, 13, you know, being Greek. Yeah. So we could get away with that. And uh-huh. then, uh, second one is if you ever, if I ever catch you with your hands in your pockets, I don't care who your dad is, you're gone too. Okay. He said it's the restaurant industry. There's always something to do. Find something to do. And okay, so so it wasn't a literal hands in the pockets. It was more of a metaphor of there, there's always something to do in the business. Correct. Like, let's stay busy. This place is massive. We need your help. If I'm going to pay sure. you, you know, you're going to be working. So that was, I started there Fridays at 4 o'clock after school till about midnight, 1 in the morning. Uh, Saturday, I'd go in at 4 and get off about midnight, 1 As in a 14-year-old. 14-year-old. And then Sundays from 12 to 8. And... Tuxedo shirt, bow tie, little tray, not bus pants, little tray. So, you know, you had to get creative. And you're talking about. So, you were dressed 30, up. 30, 35 waitresses at one time between the whole place, give or take. I mean, that place was. You, it's still there. It's. Did you guys make like tips? I mean, how. Oh, yeah. I was making. With my tips back then, talking about big money, eight to nine dollars an hour for a 14 year old. So. It's nuts. Never man. asked for nuts. anything since. Good for I you, remember man. that that point, you know, I never went to my dad and said, give me some money to go here or go there. After that, it was game over. I learned how to make money on my own. Good for you. Uh, good bosses, great people. Uh, Bill runs it solely well now by himself with his uh, cousin. And I uh, still visit them. Every time I go to New Jersey, I'm, uh, I make sure to stop by and see. But he left a lasting impression. So. Nice. And, uh, you still got family up there, up in New Jersey? Yeah, my mom's still got two sisters up there. Nice. I mean, one sister, I'm sorry, and a brother. Nice. So, and then we still visit family. Childhood friends I grew up with, I'm still in man. touch with. Uh, my best friend growing up, Constantine, his dad's still a whole food distributor up there. Uh, just always some sort of food relations. So. 100%. Man. And we can't get out of it, man. We can't get out of I it. I like to call it the illness. Uh, <laughs> I've tried over the other things, and I said, I hate it. This, this business is horrible. It sucks. It takes up so much time. Stressful. It's dedicated. <laughs> stressful. If we were any smarter, we should have been smart enough to know to do something else. And as I'm having these thoughts, I drive by a restaurant. I see a four lease sign. I pull over in the parking lot to get the number. <laughs> Just because I'm curious to see how much it goes for for square foot. So, oh my! You know, it's you like know, a magnet that just draws us. It is, and it is. And I've tried other things, and I hate it. I got into the wholesale business, uh, selling frozen seafood for eight years. Now, now that was down here, though. That was in Charlotte. Okay. Uh, it started as a part-time company. Uh-huh. Actually, a friend of mine had gotten laid off. Okay. And he was looking for something to do, and the money that he had saved up, uh, I told him I'd match it. I said, "You can't really do a restaurant with the type of money that you got," but. We'll buy a truck. I got yeah. a connection on some produce. Cool. I actually got some connection. I told them with some Philly steaks in Philadelphia, we can get them custom made and put our name on them. Nice. And start selling. So we would drive to Asheville at 2 in the morning to pick up tomatoes back then and drive them back in produce. And drive back to Charlotte. We started that way. He gave it three months and then bailed on me he bounced so i paid him off i gave him whatever he invested i gave him his money back and uh-huh. i ended up keeping it eight years huh part-time i was doing first year we did eighty-eight thousand in sales about third year we're at 1.5 million nice and i hated every minute of it 
<laughs> so, truth be told, I didn't. You know, my dad did it, and yeah. I, I watched what he went through, good and bad. Sure. And then I thought it's what I wanted to do at that time. I had at least a 10,000-square-foot warehouse, put freezers in it, bought my trucks, and started moving, doing well. Yeah. I did great, to be honest. I just hated every just minute like on a personal level. I just, you know, there was no creativity for me in there. And, it, and at least you tried it, and then you know that you, I mean, at least it's not something that you look back on. Well, you wish you maybe, you know, kind of tried out what your dad did. You know what I mean? Sure. You did yeah, it. You I tried, did it. I tried cool. it. Cool. All right. Listen, you know I hold no ill will to anything that I tried or put effort into. Sure. There's no, for me, other people blew it in college. I blew it in trying. Yeah. So, and trying to set different businesses. And, you know, people ask me, how do you just jump? <clears throat> Don't think about it. Yeah. There's a will, there's a way. And that's yeah. just really what I stick to. There's, there's, there's some profound uh, wisdom in that, honestly, because I feel like there's, a lot of times, uh, not, I'm not saying, you know, don't maybe do some due diligence, but the reality is, um, you know, sometimes people, you know, are, are analysis paralysis. Like they just analyze and think about something for so long that they don't actually take action on it. And you may miss opportunities on a building, on a venture, on XYZ. I mean, it sure. sounds like your buddy was like, hey, let's do this. Yo, let's do it. You're in. You're all in. I said, you know, you've been unemployed for a year. And he started working for me a little bit part time. I said, what are you going to do? And, uh, you know. Let's give it a shot. He, yeah. Like I said, nothing against him. He just realized real quick it wasn't for him. And sure. I cut him a check the same day and said, you know, good luck to you. We yeah. tried. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, was there a small part of me that said I'm going to grow it regardless just because? Just because? Yeah. Sure. I'm not going to lie to you. 100%. Uh, that was a, a little bit of a motivating factor. That's the winner in John. <laughs> That's I mean, the. You know, I just at that point, I just said to myself, Let's grow this thing and see where it goes. I had a, two restaurants at the time. I had an internet-based business, and then the recession hit, and it tanked. And I'm so to be is, honest with you. This is what, 08? Uh, before the recession hit is when I started. I was in Rock Hill. I had a pizzeria at that point doing Kidding, I didn't good know that. business. I okay. had Uzo's Pizza in Rock Hill that I opened. and was there for about seven, eight years. Okay. Uh, we started another venture with my dad. Uh, small little fish chicken joint in York, South Carolina, that didn't last. I we I just I'm, story behind that one was it just got burnt out. Just said enough's enough. Uh, long story short, at that point I was four businesses deep and stretched thin. And I got home one day and I actually just told this story to a friend of mine this afternoon because uh, we're touching on my background a little bit. I got home. And my wife was at the top of the stairs. I'll never forget it. My daughter was standing next to her. She just turned 10, 11 months. She just started walking. So to do the math, she's 11 now. Uh, and she started crying. Uh-huh. And I realized it's because she hadn't seen me in three weeks, and she was scared when she saw me. So uh -huh. I said, yeah, no amount it's of over. money's worth it. It's over. And I sold my 50% of the pizzeria to my partner at that time. I winded up. Leaving the other restaurant, so, uh, the internet business took a backseat just because the recession had hit. It was more of an insurance luxury type deal, yeah. so things weren't people weren't people were trying to figure out how to pay their bills. At sure, that point, sure, not sure. Buy insurance as an extra luxury yeah item. So at that point, I said, "We just I got to take a step back and reflect. And, you know, what's worth 
Sure. Is the money worth it? I get it. Or, you know, I grew up that way. So I yeah. know my dad and my mom, they, you know, they worked hard and uh, sacrificed. sacrificed a lot. And I told myself if I could avoid doing those things, I would. And money wasn't worth it at that point. Not when you see your daughter 100%. scared of her father because I realized I was leaving at 2, 3 in the morning. She was asleep when I was leaving in the morning and she was asleep when I was getting home. Sure. So at that point in time, it, it puts things in perspective. Sure, 100%. So, I'm big big on perspective at this point. So. Now, you said you're four businesses deep. What, what's the what's the first thing that you the, So so uh so you you graduate high school down here in Charlotte? Uh graduate high school. Okay. And then what's the first kind of like, you know, so you said, you know, uh college wasn't, you I, know, for you. I, I bribed my way through high school. So. Okay. <laughs> My dad had a restaurant at the time down the street from my high school, and I would skip. My dad would actually call in because I had three dead periods uh-huh. towards the end, and I'd leave every afternoon, buy lunch for all my teachers, uh-huh. go to my dad's place, cook, <laughs> go back. Feed true the, story. I, true story. I, I'd feed the security <laughs> guard because he's the one that would let me in and out if I didn't have a pass. And then my Shout out to that guy. What's that guy's name? You remember him? Don't even remember. I'm not going to lie to you. Shout out to the security guard. And then my, my teacher, uh, especially my computer teacher, he's like, John, you got a five average. He's like, so, but he's like, I'll give you a C. There you I go. can't give you anything better. But. Nice. And then I had another teacher. I worked for him part-time cutting grass, and I would feed him too, and I got to be in that class. Which, ladies and gentlemen, for everybody watching this, the point of all of this is, how key relationships are, right, in life. To this day, I agree. No, I mean, right? you got to understand that I was working two jobs. I was working for my dad. Uh-huh. I had a, another job working at the Peninsula Yacht Club. No kidding. So I was putting in 60 hours a week and going I, to high school. I just went up there to actually talk to him about business. It was my first time up there. Super nice, man. Yeah, nice place. Super nice. You're talking about I was 17 at that point. So I had two jobs. I was going to high school, and who's got time to study? Yeah. But I was also one of those that just retained information when it was spoken to me. Yeah. I could never actually sit and read the books. Yeah. I could always pass. That I knew. Yeah. So it's just like, I'll just make the effort and pass and there just get out of here and <laughs> keep on going. So and that's what happened in the end. So so uh, so first, first venture is what? I'm at a high school. Okay. I'm kind of floundering for about six months. Okay. I open up a literally a hole in the wall sub shop on Sugar Creek or was it Sugar Creek? No, Sunset Road. It's you by yourself? By myself. It was called Subs Galore. And I remember going through city planning and it took ten months to put a hole in the wall and run plumbing lines. Uh-huh. And uh, and and it, and it it took that long because you just didn't know? Like or learning experience. City likes to take their time and then to planning and going into planning. Actually, true story, I threatened to sue them for discrimination because my name was Yanuzos de Mestijas and there was a bunch of good old boys in that office. Uh-huh. And I said, you know, either approve my plans because it's nine months in, ten months in, and it's just a hole in the wall with plumbing lines. I've yeah. given you everything that I've asked for. Yeah. And I kept watching, you know, franchises come in and I'm sitting there in these meetings with planning. I'm like, come on, man. It's a hot water line. Cold water line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One drain, one water heater, and refrigeration going in. And in the end, they're like, oh, I'm like, I mean, uh, you had to pull every card in the book to get somewhere. What did you, what did you learn from that first, that first place that you had? Anything like, 
that you just took from that? I mean, besides, you know, some... Listen, everything some, was a learning experience, especially that, even dealing with the city and going through the blueprints and the paperwork, and no matter how small the job, you know, they got their job to do too, not to knock them. It dragged out, and I think it was ridiculous the way it did drag out back then, but, you know, it's, uh, the system's the system. 100%. So. And uh, that's just what we got to do, pull a permit, and I realized real quick, you know, money talks. So some of these corporate backers that come in, they, they get first priority over these little guys like myself that come through this system, uh-huh. no matter how much they want to tell me otherwise. It's, you see it with your own eyes in that building. So uh, it puts things in perspective yeah, yeah, yeah. again. So, I mean, what I learned there, I was there for three and a half years. Uh-huh. And then after time, it was just, you know, I'd maxed it out where I thought I could go, and it was just time to move on. Sure. So so your first taste of ownership, your own thing, a little sub shop off a of sunset. Sure. It was me, and then uh, my sister would help me out through lunch, and then uh-huh. dinners I would work by myself, and then I had a couple employees on and off that would work lunches. Uh-huh. And then dinners I was always by myself until, I don't know what time I closed, 9 o'clock. Nice. So six days a week. So after that, what happens? What you know? What direction is John going? After that, John decided he was going to try to go back to college. Uh huh. And realized real quick that I don't have the attention span for it anymore. And then I'm sitting in school where I could be working somewhere, making money. Yeah. My biggest downfall, even in younger years in college, college was a little bit different because they didn't hold you accountable. You know, do the work at sure. your own pace, turn it in if you want, and if yeah. you flunk out, you flunk out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's then, true. You know, I couldn't buy lunch for the professor, so (laughs) (laughs) it it worked that way. But if there was a window in the classroom, John was staring out of it instead of paying attention to what was going on in class. So, but I tried. I tried to go to culinary school. I did uh, one semester at CP culinary and other stuff, and then uh, decided to go back again. Just realized right then and there, it's like, what am I doing? I'm. I mean, I could break off on my own and figure it out sure so sure it's not I, you know everyone, that was a learning experience too going 100%. through culinary talking to some chefs and networking and whatnot that worked you know it wasn't for not so 100 still you know 100 i mean worth it i mean back to the networking piece i mean i was kind of joking earlier about the relationships with the teachers but like kind of not i mean i you know the one thing that i've realized relationships John, are everything it literally I'm it not. is is almost you know i you know People ask me all the time, you know, well, you know, why, 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 why would somebody do business with you versus somebody else? And I'm like, because they like us. I mean, yet, yes, there, there's an actual product piece to it, of course. Like you have got to have a good product, but people, people come into my dad's restaurant because they love my mom and dad. They're always sure. there on the weekend. Well, I'm gonna tell you straight out right now. The only reason I probably order and order as much as I do is because you started coming through the door. You've had other people come through the back door of my restaurant, and I've talked to them in the past, and they just weren't really. I mean, they weren't bad people. Yeah, I'm not gonna knock anybody's employees. Sure. They just, you know, the relationship was different. So, sure. I mean, you came by, we talked. I liked your personality. I said, you know, we easy, we, easy we, to deal with. Yeah, the we, prices were legit, uh, and you know, if it's something that's a buck off or the same price, I'd buy it from you than somebody else. Hundred percent, John. I, I realized that people love supporting their friends. It's that's. That's true state how it is true state i mean it's whether it's what you know what you know what uh it's the guy that you buy your vehicles from the person you get your haircut from i mean literally your landscape that you after you get to know somebody and you really get to know you're like you know what it's like 
I want to go to John's restaurant because I'm friends with him. And oh, by the way, let me grab some dinner while I'm there. For sure. Right? It's anything. Like even my electrician, I met through the restaurant. We became friends and, you know, he might be... Thirty, forty, fifty dollars pricer on a job, but I know it's going to get done. And guess what? He eats three times a week at the restaurant, and he's your friend, and he's my friend, so I can call him whenever I want. And you know, that's in anything. My uh, uh, Willis Big Red, who I do the community work with, and we grew through the restaurant. We're business partners now. His dad does my landscaping. It's all through relationships, and uh, even the seafood business. To be honest with you, Nick, the the wholesale company built those relationships. And I still use them. 100%. So everything still carries over. So it's just relationships are key. And then I'm a, I'm a little old school. Handshake <coughs> and, you know, relationship means more than $20 here, $10 there. 100%. And so, like, when, when John says that you went to school for a semester for culinary at CP and you started shaking some hands and meeting some, you know, some chefs, like, there's truth to that. I mean, it's just sharing stories, just getting somebody's perspective of how they got into the business and, you know certain things that were different even going to the yacht club to work i went to learn i didn't go to work for the yacht club i went to spend some time there a couple buddy of mine's worked there but i mean just to see the other side of it because we were short order cooks and working at you know little greek restaurants and i remember getting made fun of over at the yacht club at one point by the chef and i was like listen jerk we did two tickets here and i did 250 at the little place that i work at outside of here so (laughs) i don't care what your degree says and i don't care where you work but doing two tickets at the yacht club and doing 250 at the little mom and pop greek joint yes you know little sub shop you were slinging those subs man sure. don't knock it i mean i still run into customers at po boys that recognize me from the no sub kidding. shop that's awesome True story that's awesome i had a guy that i hadn't seen in years i ran into him somewhere else actually i was at a bachelor party uh-huh i'm not gonna lie we we're at the strip club uh-huh for a bachelor party and we're at the front stage and this guy's like john john oh my god john i said who's, who's yelling your name I had I had moved on from the sub shop at that point. Man, you gotta open up another sub shop. You gotta open another sub shop. I'm like, okay. Sure enough, I saw him six months ago at Poboys. Nice. He said, "You remember that he was in front of my eyes? Remember, remember the last time we saw each other?" I said, "You don't have to be discreet about it." <laughs> We're at Uptown Cabaret for a bachelor party, and he ran into me. I was like, "Oh my god, that's hilarious!" I'm, I'm an open book. I got nothing to hide. <clears throat> that's hilarious. So. Okay. Well, cool. Let's 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 fast forward to to Po Boys, your your current venture right now. Tell us about uh, when you when you guys get started. Po Boys, I started the process. Now it's probably let's see. I just renewed my lease, so five years ago. So five f- years ago, a little over five years ago, I started the process. Actually, but the story behind Po Boys is, I would drive past it. Uh huh. I had the wholesale company because okay. it was located down the street from there. So okay. when I took 85, I had to drive up and I would pass it religiously. And then my old boss, uh, Pavel, which you know, uh, used to have it at one point. And then he's got Beauregard's next door. And just we would, I would eyeball it. And we had me and him had been talking about maybe doing something together. And I kept, you know, let's revisit that. And yeah. like, I don't know. We're looking at different things. And yeah. In the end, the building had winded up selling and going for lease, and I winded up calling, negotiating it, and uh, was getting ready to make a deal on it, but he wouldn't replace the 
air conditioned units. Uh-huh. They've been sitting there for 30 years and they had gutted them, stole the piping. And I said, I backed out of the deal. Uh huh. And just said, eh, it's not what it was. So eventually it, the yeah. landlord winded up calling me back. We had a 20 minute meeting at the property. That's the first time we met face to face. He said, What's your plans for the building? And I went into, he's the only one at that time that I went into detail with, uh, Po boys and yeah. the concept and what I was trying to do. And uh, after that conversation, he gave me the keys, shook my hand, and said, It's yours if you want it. Nice. He said, Design a lease. I'll look at it because I actually designed the lease, not the landlord. Okay. So I designed the lease where I thought it was fair for both of us. I uh-huh. didn't get, you know, sneakier. Sure. Uh, I didn't keep it one side. Yeah. Good for you. I kept it fair, what I thought was fair. Yeah. I sent it over to him and Got a call back and said, my copy signed and yours is here. Stop by the office whenever you want to sign it. We agreed on the air conditions. He winded up replacing them. Uh-huh. Every venture I've done, I've learned something. So the one prior to that, the main issue we had on a regular basis was the AC units. Mm-hmm. It was an older building, and we didn't fight for that in a sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, <clears throat> so that one taught me, you know, I just refused. This one taught me you should put an option to buy on anything that you lease uh, when it comes to po boys, but sure, you know. But straight up, great landlord. Not gonna lie, I mean, he really put it. He didn't have to. So yeah, put his trust in me and uh, really let me navigate the course with it and uh, gave me the opportunity. That being said, I signed the lease and then I just it was a struggle. I'm not gonna lie to you. It yep. sat empty for six years prior to that. Okay. Uh, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> okay. When I first went in there, because some people had as far as, what, as as far as the condition. condition. Okay. Uh, so I figured I uh, I could make it work. Yeah. And actually, I had gone in initially with an investor. Okay. Uh, he backed out on me three weeks in, so he was part of the money, and he backed out on me and. Thought he found himself a better venture, and yep. I said, you know, so be it. And I said, uh, there's a will, there's a way. I'm still going to make this work. And I put, try to start starting the process, architect prints, because the one thing I didn't realize after being closed for so long, you actually, when you go into plan review, it's like new construction. Even though the building exists, you got to start over. So it's almost like going through the process that I'm building the building from the ground up. Because it was empty for so long? For six years. <clears throat> that being said, I'm trying to find old prints. I talked to uh, prior tenants. I talked to Burger King because that was the original. It was a Burger King. I called Burger King Corporate. They didn't have any prints. I called. They gave me the number to the franchisee, the original franchisee who actually built it sure. back in the 70s. Yeah. Uh, he's like, John, it's been so long. He's like, I wish I could help you out, but we don't have any paperwork on it. Luckily, I came across one woman who actually did drafting. Uh Uh-huh. And she measured the entire place, got the base of the prints for very minimal cost. Uh Uh-huh. And then I started looking for an architect. But at that point, the recession was over and construction had started booming. Mm. So plan review was behind. So here we go through a whole another process again 20 years later with the city and playing the waiting game. Uh, then 
architects were hard to find. Everybody was busy. It was expensive. And uh, luckily, uh, God bless him, Ed Bowers. He was getting ready to go into retirement. He was my old architect. I couldn't find his number. By accident, the guy who did my sign said, I got an architect. And he showed me his contacts on oh his phone. And it said Ed Bowers on it. I about <laughs> fell out of my chair. I was like, you don't understand how long I've been looking for him. I was like, oh, man. I said, God's always watching, right? Yeah. So that being said, I got his number. And I used to know he did work for me in Rock Hill. So I knew him well. He was a regular customer. I uh, did a lot of mission trips, building churches in other countries. Nice. For free uh, on his time. And uh, I would donate tools to him. He would buy those big packs of tools that you'd get at Home Depot or Lowe's and take them with him to these rural areas and build churches. Nice. And he would show me the videos, just the, you know, yeah, nice thing to show me yeah. and that this is what I did with the tools that you bought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> uh, so that being said, I reached out to him. I kept calling him even prior to that. I, would, I found his kids on Facebook, reached out, didn't hear nothing back, and couldn't get an answer from nobody. I was like, you know. What's going on? And I get an email from him out of nowhere. He said, I just now got connection. I'm in Africa on a mission trip, and I'll be back in a week. Uh, when I get back, we'll discuss it. Nice. So I'm like, oh, thank God. I mean, he saved me. I mean, if Ed didn't come into the project at that point and take over. and uh, how, how long did it take by the time you signed the paperwork and actual – the doors opening for ten and a half months, <sighs> ten and a half months. Every dollar I had, a second mortgage on my house. You went all in. Uh, nine credit cards. You went all in. All in. I got I ran out of money, and the only thing I had left was an eight twelve credit score, and I just applied for every card I could get, and I went all in. And that was and then and true then, story. And then let's say okay, so you open up, and then what? Gangbusters or a sl slow increase in how, how I strongly believe in always opening and not advertising. Okay, so start slow, grow into it. Yeah, a little bit here, a little bit there. It started growing, started putting the pieces together, and the next thing you know, out of nowhere, just it just started booming. And you know, thank God in a lot of ways, and just the support that I had between my parents and family friends that stuck by me especially my wife <laughs> my wife god bless her because you know she never said no uh, she never you know my son was actually when i signed the lease my son was two months old uh. so you know he went from two months to two years and i missed it that's probably one of my regrets right there yeah but you know you gotta do what you gotta do 100 percent. i had my sundays off i catch up as much as i could there 100 percent. Uh, it was either that or you know lose everything and then try to figure it out and I wasn't willing to do that. So 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 tell everybody if they've never been to Po Boys, um and now you guys have like a little fresh market as well, right? No, the concept behind Po Boys because <laughs> I remember uh my poor dad. When I would I'd give him hints of what I was trying to do and then he was just so nervous and panicked. I'd find menus from other seafood restaurants. Cause, what are you doing? You know, what's the menu? And I just like I'm keeping it to myself. But you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that in there. I'd find all these menus on yeah. the desk. I was like, why do you keep bringing me menus? I, was like, I don't know. Because <laughs> he was concerned. Yeah. Uh, but once I finally put all the pieces together and I finally sat down with him and told him, I said, listen, 
This is what I'm trying to do. These are the reasons why I'm trying to do it. Yeah. It clicked. It makes sense. It makes sense. So what we do is uh, you buy, we fry, modernized market, I like to call it. Nice. Not the only one that does it. And, you know, the wholesale business actually. Allowed me. I had a lot of you buy, we fry markets when I sold that. Sure. 15 of them. Sure. And they all do great business and they all have their way. But I was like, if you tweak this and then you tweak that and you did this. I got something. Yeah. And that's how it started. Actually, none of them ever had a dining room. None of them ever cooked. And if they did cook, it was a very, it's more Asian style. Okay. Fried than it was, you know, Southern. Gotcha. So that being said, I'm just, you know, I got my, I got, the gears are moving. Sure. And uh, I got, I'm starting to put the pieces together and then that's what it is. It's a modernized you buy, we fry market. Do everything by weight. There's no plates. You want one shrimp, I say, or, you know, five or a pound. It's all going on the scale. Yeah. Believe me, I've had people order one shrimp. One? And it's going to, uh, yeah, every time I think about, like, when somebody says, with well, two shrimp and <coughs> one scallop and one oyster, I think about Chris Rock, where he goes, how much for just one rib? It's <laughs> like, rack? And he's like, no, just one rib. <laughs> how about if you pour the soda in my hands and you don't give me a cup? Okay. I mean, the, honestly, though, I mean, we don't, I don't care if they're buying one shrimp or they're buying two pounds. Sure. They're still a customer. Yeah. And the, the beauty of what we do is they can design. Once they grasp it, because it's a lot of customers in the beginning were like, oh, what do you mean no plates? Oh, this is too difficult. But once they actually grasped it and realized it's, it's all, it's basically, you know, have it your way. It's yeah. really have it your way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can buy three scallops. I can get a half a pound of shrimp. I can get one piece of whiting. I can get one perch, and I can put it all together and pay per weight, and it's per pound. So everything's done by weight. So it's not, you know, you get one piece. It could be quarter of a pound. It's a buck 89, let's say. Mm. So some people, I see them come in religiously five days a week, and they spend, you know, $4. And some come in once a week or once a month, and they spend 100 It's all up to, you know. It's a very vast yeah. <clears throat> in terms of ticket size and how they spend their money, but it's all up to them. And you know, it's whole fish, we scale in and got all the whole fish to order. So, you know, it's, you have it there in front of you. Now with COVID, it's a little different because sure. we don't allow anybody to pick their seafood out anymore, but we still have it in the cases where they can see it from afar. Sure, sure. But, you know, you know name me another place where you can see the menu in front of you before you even look at the writing. So. It's pretty cool. It's pretty then, cool. You know, the, we have a small menu of put boy sandwiches, salads, and then the sides that you can piece with it. And that's the gist of it, really. What's um? Tell us a little bit about um, some of the outreach that you do. I know you do a lot with. We the do work. a lot of community work, and I just I'll be honest with you, that was on. And I did community work with other locations that I've had in the past, but I just said to myself, this is the first time I didn't have a business partner, and I was solely on my own. So I said to myself, if this thing takes off, uh, it's got to go hand in hand with the community work. Sure. Uh, so that started, and that's how my relationship actually with Willis, my business partner now, started. We met at the restaurant through my cashier, which I'd known for years. She helped me open up a prior restaurants in the past. God bless her, Jody. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Jody, just any time I opened a restaurant, it always seemed like we were aligned. She was always between jobs or, you know, sure. and always there. And she would help me 
grow the business, great personality, great person. Yep. Still talk to her today, daughter, her kids. I mean, I've been since before Uzos. Yeah. And she had met Willis and just big personality in the city. Yeah. Barber from the barbershop down the street and had always had this idea to give away turkeys on Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. Thanksgiving was like my holiday that I enjoyed. Yeah. The cooking and the smell of it and the sure. family Everything. coming over, all of it, the yeah. whole experience. And I met him that summer after I opened, and he was doing book bags. Uh-huh. And he'd been doing it now. He's This is his 19th year that he did it. School supplies. Okay. So he was doing school supplies, and Jody introduced me to him. He said, here's Red. You know, he does a lot of work in the community. I've gotten to know him. I know you're looking to do certain things. She put us together in terms of he comes in a lot. You, maybe you should talk to him. Sure. And I did, and then we just – Real close, quick. And then he told me about the buck bag drive, and I'd wind up at giving uh, Jody. I said, Jody, here's uh, X amount of dollars. And it was 500 or or 1000 bucks back then. Yeah. Uh, still climbing out of the hole, but I had a little extra money. I yeah. said, take it to Walmart. You buy as much as you can get, and then we sure. take it over to the barbershop. And that's yeah. how the community outreach started. That's awesome. Me and Red then after that <laughs> became real close, and then he – he helped me piece together the, the turkey drive that I do. Sure. I buy all the turkeys, and uh, U.S. Foods let me they let me rent a trailer from them for free. Yeah. And then I load the turkeys the Sunday before Thanksgiving, and then I buy all the canned goods from Walmart and drive them down, and we package them, and then we give away turkeys with all the fixings. Nice. People to cook, to actually have that experience to cook. Yeah. That's how we started that. with that, and then Red came on board. He loved the idea, and he brought the volunteers. And I backed it. We did 200 the first year. I did 300 the next year, and then we did 600 last year. Nice. Uh, aside from that, and then Red started venturing out with BVB Great Foundation, and I started the uh, Domestic House uh, Com- Culinary Community Foundation this past year to do scholarships. And he's doing more youth programming. So we just connected with a lot of nonprofits. Actually, after I leave here, I got to feed the homeless on 700 North Tryon. Nice. 200 meals. We did 3,500 meals the first go around since COVID started. And then we took a break for about a month. And then we just picked it up back up today. Nice. We're going to go back and do every other Tuesday at this point. And we did 200 meals a day. That's Miss Deborah from the Block Love Charlotte. Beautiful woman. That's Great awesome. calls. She's there three day, three days, uh, three times a day, seven days a week, feeding the uh, the tent city that's been formed over on seven hundred North Tron, and then just relationships yeah, that were 100%. built from there. You know, yeah. Grace Church helped them. Uh, they help us heal Charlotte. Greg, he just took on a huge project uh, for the homeless. So, uh, see how he does with that. Full support. I mean, just that's you know, awesome, man. Once you start, hundred percent, it just keeps going, and then uh, you know it's not about the money at the end of the day. The money's a bonus, even when yeah. you get into business. And uh, I'll be a hundred percent honest. People ask like, "Why'd you go from this to that?" I'm like, "Those were my learning experiences." Sure, and it was never about money. It was to actually take the ideas that were in my head and see if they would actually work. Sure, and uh, I think Po Boys is the. Uh, the perfect example of that. I so love that. Just, I love that. It finally came out, and the money's a bonus. Yeah, 100%. Lie, you know, but if you don't love what you do, 
like I said, I went years just hating everything about the food industry at one point. Yeah. But I'd still find myself pulling over and checking that four lease sign. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, John, I appreciate it, man. This is an awesome conversation you, uh, for everybody that, uh, you know, is kind of listening in, watching, you know, stop by, you know, uh, Po Boys. Uh, you guys are off what, off what road? Uh, 3022 Freedom Drive in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, Freedom Drive. Stop by, you know, see uh, see John and, and and his business. Check it out. Awesome seafood, um, and I appreciate it, man. I think this was good. I think it was an awesome conversation. I think this is another. Uh, it is another another business owner that kind of, sh- I mean, through his story, you can learn about being all in, having some focus, being determined. I mean, having the 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 will to win. You mentioned that several times, and so it's all about perspective. It's all about there's a will, there's a way. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. You know, the, the one thing, one last thing I'll mention is this: I've watched for years people get in the restaurant business and say, "Oh, what you do is easy. Or, I can, I can do that. It's easy." And then they actually drop yeah, it's not hundreds easy. of thousands of dollars and realize it's not just about the money; it's about the hundred-hour weeks that you got to put in. Yep. I mean, even at Uzo's, I, I went nine months with no paycheck, seven days a week, from six in the morning to eleven o'clock at night. Yeah. With no day off. My first paycheck out of Uzo's was $900 after 10 months I worth get of it. work. So that's the part that people really need to realize about the restaurant business. There's a will, there's a way, and you better you better clear your schedule. 100%. 100%. Is <laughs> if golf takes priority over working in that kitchen, then you're not going to go too far. So that's just, there, there is. A, it's not an easy industry. I hate to see what's going on with it right now with COVID. Uh, it's hard to watch. Other people in the industry uh, take the bumps that they're taking. I mean, we're all in it together at the end of the day. Yeah. And uh, like I said, just persevere. And if there's a will, there's That's a it. we'll get through it. So. That's it. Appreciate it. Thank you, Nick. Ep- episode 15 in the books. Appreciate you guys for watching. If you guys can, like, share, comment. Let us know how you're enjoying these. If you guys have any suggestions, anybody you want me to interview in the industry, let me know. And uh, with that, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you. Thank you.